Now is the time for the leader to qualify. My name is Ori. I'm a compulsive reader. Yeah, um, I currently have uh, 22 months of uh, food sobriety, and uh, I'm down about 180, 180 pounds, somewhere around there. I'm just taking my time because my heart is just like, <clears throat> and I just kind of have to let that, like, just kind of go. Let's get into it. <laughs> In late 1934, I attended a patient who, though he had been a competent businessman of good earning capacity, was an alcoholic of a type I had come to regard as hopeless. When I first came in a program at 19, or when I came back on my own, well, let, let me just summarize. Like this, this period up until two years ago, I had stints of so-called abstinence and recovery. Um, but looking back with the with the the pair of glasses that I have now, that that wasn't recovery. Um, it wasn't the brand of recovery that I have today. And I think all that time that I spent from 10 to, what, 30, 35, 36 was a part of my convincing process. I don't think everybody in here is of the, the hopeless variety that the doctors, and this is just my opinion, I don't think everybody has the same, it doesn't fall in the category of a hopeless alcoholic. I didn't even think that, I, you know, like I kind of had an idea that I had an issue but I don't know if I fully believed that I was hopeless until this last relapse. In this last relapse, I, I, you know, I, was, I got to 484 pounds. Just saying that is like unbelievable. If I, didn't ha if I hadn't seen the number, I just even, like I've seen the number and it was just like, really? Like almost five bills? Okay. <laughs> And I'm so glad you guys didn't clap when I said that I lost, that I've been relieved of 180 pounds because, like, it used to be in program where I would, like, you know, I would, uh, like, I would feel good about that, you know, like, ah, oh, look at me, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, but no, of course I wouldn't, dip, you know, show you that, right? I pretend to be humble. Oh, thank you, thank you. Shut <laughs> your ass up. You know, you love that shit. And then I started thinking about it, like, what type of mind do you have to have to get to the point of 180 pounds? I'm sorry, 484 pounds. Like, what type of mind do you have to have to continue eating even though you can't wipe yourself? Even though you can't show up to work? I was like Bill W. I was coming off my third stint in treatment. This time it was an eating disorder facility. And I was there for like a year and some change. I had stopped showing up to life again. I wasn't a part of my family. I, I told my sister, like, just stop calling me for events because I wasn't going to show up. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, I forgot where it talks about it, but it says, like, you know, 
one was living, one might say, just to eat, you know, just to overeat, just to drink. And that's what, like, the, my overeating life became the normal one, right? That's, that's, that's all I could do. That's all, like, that's all I could do. I couldn't stop the train. And this is, after, you know, after being in programs since I was 19, and, you know, I've heard this stuff over and over again, right? Like, intellectually, I understood this. You know, on some level, I got it, you know, and I tried to do the best that I could with the awareness that I had at that time. But I've always been in the, I always had the feeling like, you know, I had one foot in and one foot out. I always respected the people, you know, the people in program that I always respected that seemed like they were fully in and had, you know, made this their lives. And that wasn't me. Like, I knew on a level that that wasn't me. Like, I, I, you know, I, I talked a good game here and I, you know, I, like I said, I did the best I could. But could I say I was fully sold on the ideas in this book? No. I wasn't fully sold on this way, on this way of life for me. I didn't want any parts of what this is really talking about. I wanted to come in here, lose the weight, get good and cute and chocolate. And go about doing, you know, going about doing what I wanted to do in life. And for the most part, you know, I got away with that for a little bit until I didn't. Until it really got real and I had to really confront, okay, you know what? I'm really a hope. I'm an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. Yeah, being on my food plan is all great. Like being on that food plan is real binary. Like I don't use food. I have complete and total food sobriety. I don't use food. I can't, you know, I no longer eat in a damaging and destructive way. That's just the entry ticket. That's just the entry ticket. Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. I like the effect that overeating gives me. I like the effect of... I still can remember the first time I had cheesecake. I know where I was. I'm not fucking lying. I really do. I remember the first time I had butter on my pancakes. Right? I'm just talking about the physical level. Like, there's, there, you know, I like the effect of getting a bunch of fucking food and sitting down in front of a big heaping and just killing it off. Right? And I had a very strategic way that I ate. Right? You know. Like I knew that my pa- I knew that my taste buds would be dulled after three slices of pizza, right? So what I do is I eat three slices of pizza, then I would get into the hot wings, okay? And I, and I knew after the hot wings I would get dulled, so I need to wash that down with something sweet, and then I got to switch over to this, so just to keep my palate fresh. <laughs> I'm a real compulsive eater, like food. You know, to say that food is my drug, like it is a drug. It's a mind-altering substance in the way that I use food. And that's why, like this time around, I take this with a deadly seriousness. And I'm like, I, I, you know what, I shared last week and I, I realized that I just clubbed, the, just clubbed the meeting over the hill with this message of, you gotta put down the food, you're gonna die. Like, you know, I don't, like, I, I don't want to be that, like, you know, uh, but shit, like I want to bring some like good feel, but you know, I've been beaten up by this a long time.
And it's taken me a long time to be convinced and to concede to my innermost self that this is the way of life that I need. And I was thinking this morning, like my job, you know, initially in this up until last week, I was thinking like it's my job to, you know, try to convince people. I have to I have to package this message in a way to where you're convinced. Right. That's not my job. I'm not the father of convincing. That's not my job. My my sponsor, he talks about your job is to to share your experience, strength and hope. And whatever people take from that, I hope it, I hope it helps you on your journey. That's all my job is. I can't convince you of this. Just like nobody could convince me. And John tried many times back in the years. Nobody could. Nobody can convince me like in, 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 that this is me. Like I had to diagnose this. I had to come to that on my own. And the food is a great convincer. The way that I was eating, it convinced me thoroughly to my fucking core. You got to bleep that one. <laughs> I said I wasn't going to drop any F-bombs. I can't do it. Like, I just can't do it. Like, I love F-bombs. It, it applies in every situation, right? <laughs> the sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot, after a time, differentiate, differentiate the truth from the false. Man, you talk about a mental twist. I know I'm killing myself, but I can't stop from killing myself. And then after a while, what I know to be killing myself is just, this is what I do. This is what I do. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They're restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks drinks they see others taking with impunity I have compassion for people who don't want to put down the food I do that's one of the hardest fucking things to do is to not use especially initially this time around but like I said that's just the entry ticket what I found was the irritability, restless, and discontent. That's that's been pervasive through my life. I put down the food, or and, and that's a weird. Let me let me let me start there. Like you hear people say, "Put down the food." Put down, you know. Let me let let's not let me let me not uh, delude you here. Like there was no choice where I woke up one morning and said, "Oh, today I think I'm going to put down the food." You know, like there was no. The way this abstinence started was it started with. A prayer to God, please help me just show up consistently. What I had learned from treatment um, several years back was I needed to be immersed in this. I couldn't no longer play the perimeter. Like I realized that I need like I needed to be immersed in this. I needed to show up to this like it was an inpatient treatment program. Like that's how bad I needed it. And I know I didn't have the thing to get me here. So I had to pray like I just prayed like God help me show up. And it started with a text to a fellow and the fellow told me to go to July 4th in a park. And that's what that's when I count this recovery. Like that's when I and I, I had no shame. I was the biggest I ever been. I just needed to show up. And it was like taking a fresh glass of water after being walking in the desert for years. I just wanted to be, come back and be a part of and show up consistently. And I did that. I started to show up consistently every day. And then two weeks later on July 14th, 
I had this vicious feeling like, you know what, I'm going to try to do my food plan. And I started to do it. So it wasn't really like, you know, I didn't will myself into putting down the food. But the food stopped. The way that I was using food stopped on July 14th. And that was the first day where I practiced my, my food plan. And I've been on that. So, like I talked about the irritability, restless, and discontent. That, 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 that's, my, that's like my default state of being without the substance. The book talks about the problem centers in his mind. It's, it take, it's taken a long time for me to understand that I have a mental illness. I'm mentally sick. The treatment facility helped me with that idea. Oh, there's something going on in my mind. There's a problem here. And it's funny, like, now I look back, it's like, duh, right? <laughs> Not everybody gets the 484 pounds, duh. Right? Like, now it makes sense. Like, duh. So, what I do now, all the work that I'm doing now, is about treating this alcoholic mind that I have. I have to treat this alcoholic mind. Yeah, showing up to meetings and Kissing babies and shaking hands is great. Being amongst my friends and oh, I feel loved. And, oh, it's, it's great. That's not that's not the, that's not going to give me the spiritual experience that I need. Because it also talks about here that there's no way of being rid of self without His aid. I get that. I'm so wrapped up. In ego, and ego is just me. Like it's just it is based in self-preservation. I'm so wrapped up in my narrative. It's no way that I'm gonna be able to step out of my narrative to correct my narrative and then step back in, right? And that's why I need to be involved in this work. Like I look at this from a different lens. It's no longer a class assignment where I have to, ch- you know, like in class right now, check off. I love that. Complete. Assignment complete. Assignment complete. It's not like that. And like I said, no part of me in my natural, in my, or in my default setting, no part of me wants this life. I want it to just be normal. I just want it to be normal. I just want it to have girlfriends like the other, the other boys did. I just want it to be able to play with my shirt off like the other boys did. I just want it just to be normal. So I felt like this was a burden. There's a different, they say it's the difference between submission and surrender. Like, to a certain degree, I submitted, but I, I was still fighting it. Now, in this brand of recovery that I have now, I'm thankful for this. I'm grateful for this work. I'm grateful for this work. That's because I have been beaten up. I have been, dr- like... 
I was killing myself and I couldn't stop. Not everybody has that experience. So I can't expect you to have the same intensity around this that I do. That's something that's different, too. Like initially early in program, like because I I work it kind of in a a firm way right now. Like I don't want to say rigid, but like I work it in a firm way. Like I said, there's a daily seriousness and intensity the way I approach this now. And then I, I fell into this thing like you have an expectation that everybody had. Oh, I'm doing it the right way. You know, I'm doing it the right way. They're not doing it the right way. The West Side hasn't had a recovery. The Valley has a recovery. You know, it's like this it is energy, right? It's energy. Right? And then, like I said, and then this is a recent phenomenon. It's like now I have just amazing compassion for the people in this room and in this program. I get it. It's so difficult. It is. The first miracle of putting down the food, man, that took an act of God. That took an act of God for me to stop damaging myself and destroying myself with the food. And to gain true clarity around that. And then the next act, God's not done yet. Didn't give me the willingness to show up on a daily basis and do what I need to do to treat this alcoholic mind. To be a part of, in, in the middle of the herd. I've gotten the gift of what I always wanted. This is my life now. There's no doubt where I need to be. Does that mean that it's, you know, it's all, you know, Disneyland and lollipops? No. But even in the most difficult moments that I've had, I know where I need to be. I know what I need to be doing. I know what my purpose is. I know. I was in a meeting at my home meeting on Thursday nights, and I tell this story because it was a pivotal moment for me. I think it happened around nine months, maybe. I was setting up chairs, and just this feeling came to me like, this is where you need to be. This is where you're supposed to be. Like, this is where I'm supposed to be at this moment. I'm not going nowhere. So I might as well do this recovery thing to the best of my ability. I'm so grateful for this way of life. I really am. I've given up like this. Like, why was I fighting this for so fucking long? Like, why was I fighting this for so long? I don't know. Well, I, I guess I because selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of my problem. I had an idea of how my life was supposed to go. I wanted, you know, I wanted to be Dr. Dre. I wanted to have the girls. I wanted to have the parties. I wanted to have the money and the prestige. I wanted to have the status. I wanted that, that. That's the way I wanted my life to be. I had an idea of how things were. Like, no wonder I couldn't turn my will and my life, my thinking and my behavior over to the care of some power greater than me. Like, what? Who, 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 who's talking about that in their household? Like, who's, <laughs> like, does anybody grow up thinking, oh, I want to turn my will and my life over to care of God? I still would think it's bullshit if I wasn't doing it. And if it wasn't providing relief. Like at the end of the day, you know what? It's providing relief. It's a blessing to be able to get up this morning and not have to be focused on trying to find a perfect breakfast on a Saturday morning. Instead, I'm thinking about coming and being in service. Instead, I'm thinking about studying. Instead, I'm thinking about going to the Porsche Institute to drive Porsches. Like, you know, th- this is what I'm thinking about. Like, I like racing. Now. I'm sorry. I like racing. 
I like shooting. These are the things. Like, I'm going to be a part of life with us. Like, these are the things I'm thinking about now. And, of course, I got that nightly review just watching me over it. Like, oh, you know, if you do, you got to put that down on paper. Got to put that down on paper at the end of the day. Like, ah. Uh, <laughs> that's what my nightly review does. It's like, oh, like, damn, I got to log that later. I got to talk about that later. Like, yeah. like these, are the, these are the things that I'm doing, like, now. This was not the share that I intended. <laughs> it never goes the way you want it to go. Like, I swear I had some great things to say. And it's just like, where did I go? So anyway, I'm going to wrap it right there. I'm out of gas. Thank you. Can I take this thing off or are we still going? Uh, I'm sorry, I tend to have that effect on women. <laughs> so stupid. Oh my God. Okay. Alright. Okay. This is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leaders of of the leaders are my, my, uh, yeah, of my of my own opinion and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself if being recorded. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. If being recorded, please restate the question after it is asked. Questions until 9.35, you will get a five-minute warning. All right, let's do it. Lightning round. Hi, good Hey. You're magnificent. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I was wondering, um, since you mentioned that you told your sister, don't invite me in because I'm not going to come. Right. Has that changed? Do you now go to family functions? Yeah. Oh, man. I've become the guy that I think I'm intent. I'm the life of the party. Hey, you know, I know it's different now. I, you know what? I, I make I make it a point to show up. I have to. Even when I don't want to, I show up. And I think that's kind of like that prayer that kind of initially got me started. It was like, God, please help me show up. And now I'm showing up. And I love my family now. I really do. It hurt that I couldn't be there. Like it hurt. Thank you. Uh, great love and great suffering and great love are our only disciplinarians. We need no others. Yeah. You talked a lot about great suffering. Could you talk a bit about great love? I don't know if I can repeat that. <laughs> like I talked about great suffering and I talked about great love. I didn't hear the great love discussion as much. Could you say more about that? You know what? Lo- you know what? Love is a weird word for me because it's very like, you know, my machismo wants to kick in and say, oh, that's a very feminine word. Love, you know, you know, like what I will say is I'm starting like I just know my behavior towards people like I'm starting to genuinely care about people more and. Like, yeah, like this whole movement of self-love and self-esteem, like this talks about being rid of self. Like I can't continue to be thinking about me and my my like my narrative in the way I guess I demonstrate love now, like it, that I'm carrying it out. It's just being genuinely interested in what other people are doing. 
and being a part of it, seeing where I can contribute and truly being of service. Like that's like being of service now, it's it's like that's where it's at. That's where the magic is. Me getting out of my story. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but that's the way I like the way I'm interpreting at this moment. Contact me in a five years and ask me that same question. I'm sure it'll be different, but that's where I am. Like love to me is getting out of my narrative, getting out of Ori and being of service and carrying a different energy, tolerance, pity, patience, um, compassion. Like that's it's taking an act of God for me to get to like to get to that point where and, and really practice and demonstrate that in my life. And that's what I'm really working on. I want to be different in my life um, and I want to bring those things. So, yeah. Um, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, uh, can you tell me about any daily practices? Okay. So, all right. I'm going to sound like a fucking Boy Scout right now, but um, so during the week, I'm listening to a phone meeting every day. Vision for you. Shameless plug, right? I'm listening to a phone meeting every day. Um, I'm doing prayer. My, 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 my spiritual guide is giving me a meditation practice that I'm doing throughout the day now. Um, I make several calls throughout the day, um, usually two to three calls. I'm calling my sponsor um, at least five times a week. Um, so I'm doing phone meetings five times a week, and I'm also doing face-to-face meetings three to four times a week. And the reason I do all this work is because I need interference. Like, I need interference with what's going on in here. There's a lot going on here. It takes a village to raise a baby. And that's kind of why I just I put in a lot of work. And at night, I do my nightly review, even though every night I don't want to do my nightly review. I still do my nightly review. And, um, and of course, following my food plan. Like, that's, that's part of my foundation is following my food plan and giving up making decisions around food. Like, that's something I was never willing to do. And this time around, I understand I can't make the rules when it comes to food. I have a dietitian, um, so that's kind of like the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah. Hi, thank you so much. Um, can you talk a little bit about if you get these enormous cravings, which we do with the how do you deal with it? Mm-hmm. Okay, so for the most part, I can honestly say I've been restored to a place of neutrality with food. Um, like, it's just a non-issue most of the time. And then there's the other 10% where, like, I'll go downstairs to get, a, like, my coffee, and I'll see a tray of muffins, and I want to kill that tray of muffins, <laughs> right? Like, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So... <laughs> Okay, so like the only time that I get that I get that is when I because I I still deal with depression. Like I have these depressive cycles that usually last three to four days. It happens now every three to four months now, and in those times they're like my most vulnerable spots, right? And like the first thing is like I know it's craziness, it's crazy, and it's okay. Like one thing I've learned, like if you have these moments, like if I have these moments where my mind goes there, it's okay. It doesn't mean that I'm not working it more, not, not working it enough. It doesn't mean that something's wrong. This is just where my mind goes. I'm a, I'm an addict. How do I get through those moments? I got to talk about it. Like something I got to share in real time. Even if it's just this inkling of, mm, I like to kill those muffins. I got to shine as much light on that, and I have to bring it out. I have to talk about that stuff. And so for some reason, that helps. It helps me get through. Um, I can't wish those thoughts away. 
but I can talk about it and I can be honest and shine light on it as much light as my response. He says, when that happens, you talk about it and you bring it out. You call somebody? Oh, absolutely. But I'm already in the habit of calling people, so it's not really a thing. You know, like, to, it's, people talk about the phone is heavy. Like, it's not because I'm always in the habit of calling. Like, I don't think there's a day where I don't call somebody. So I'm, like, already in that habit. So it's easy just to, you know what, damn, I'm thinking about these, I'm thinking about some cheesecake today. I would love to kill some strawberry cheesecake. You know, it's, just, it's normal, like, to, right. yeah. It helps us to be in the work all the time. Like, I really do feel like there's something behind me. And it's like, it's it's there. Like, you know, you're walking in a parking lot at night, and you just get this feeling like, like what? <laughs> something's behind me. Like, that's kind of how I feel my absence. Like, something, let me, let me hurry up. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Can you talk about your relationship with your higher power and if or how it has changed? I knew somebody was going to ask me this question. Somebody always asked that question. I, you know what? Honestly, I don't know. Like, I don't know what God is, bro. Like, I really don't. Like, you know, I had this, this joke about, you know, to God or to God or not to God. You know, what is God's will? You know, it helps if I just don't think about it. Like, really, what I do know is I know what my will is. And if I stay out of the business, if, if I work on that side of it, like God's will will be done. Like, if I don't get into trying to control and manipulate and trying to make life suit me and all those defects of character that I have, like, if I get out of that business, I feel like God's will will be done. Like, God is reality without my extra spin and spice on it. Like, God is reality. Like, whatever it is, that's what it is. Whatever I get today, that's what it is. And, like, my job is just to take my spin off of it because that's the problem, my narrative. How I see it, you know. I could walk in and um, and I could shake John's hand, and he may say, he may not say good morning. He didn't do that this morning, but I'm just saying it's an example, he, you know, like that. And, or he may look at me some way, and then all of a sudden, oh, whoa, whoa, I feel slighted, right? And then it's like, I'm now I'm like so far from reality. Like, no, like God's like the reality is is we just shook hands, right? Like. But somehow I spent something, I, you know, like, that's the best way I can explain it. It's probably going to, it's probably going to change. Talk to me in five years. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. So you talked about your expectation, mm-hmm. the vision of the future, mm-hmm. being Dr. Dre, mm-hmm. women, women. Oh, the women, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does that look like today, your vision It's scary. And expectation. It's scary because I can honestly say I'm in a point in my life where I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to be. Like, I don't I don't know what my purpose is. Like, as far as like, you know, what's my purpose? Well, I know my ultimate purpose is to be of service and contribute. But like, as far as like what like what I'm going to be professionally and, you know, am I going to have the relationship? Am I not? Like, I don't know. It's all like, I don't know. Um, and that's uncomfortable. Just not having an agenda. Like I know today, I'm going to I'm going to see about driving a Porsche. <laughs> I'm gonna try it out. You know, so I know you know I'm gonna be talking to a sponsor. I can just you know twenty you know one day at a time, right? Like I really kind of have to take it like that. That's not not a theory because I really don't know. Yeah. Thank you. I love you so much, Lori. Thank you, girl. I have to say that on the podcast. <laughs> and thank you. Uh, do you find, uh, you, you 
you have neutrality around this food. Yeah. Um, do you find yourself engaging in other behaviors that are sort of addictive and you know they're not healthy, but you're, you're oh, absolutely. struggle to get, how do you, how do you get yourself out of that? I don't, oh man. So, yeah, I'm a two cigarette, I'm a two cigarette a day guy. Like, I love my, like, you know, right now I said two cigarettes. Like, I don't know why I'm held there. That's, that's what I like, you know. And I know I'm killing myself with that, you know. Um, and I talked to my sponsor about it. He was like, you know what? He was, a, he was like multiple pack a day smoker early in his recovery. And at some point, like seven years in, he was coughing up black and just stopped. I hope it doesn't have to get to that point. And I was just talking to a fellow about this today. You know, it's, I mean, uh, 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 earlier this week, he was just like, he was like, when you're done, you'll be, you'll be done with it. And that's hard, man. That's hard to accept. Because it's like, I still need that thing. I still need that thing, you know. And somehow, like, I look at that as like, it reduces the significance of what I, my recovery, because I'm still holding on to that thing, you know. And I just kind of like, I really do have to give that to God. Like, I hope, I hope that I can have the same experience that I did with the food with, this, with these two cigarettes a day. Where it's just like, you know, I'm going to try to live without this again. Does that answer? All right. Yes, sir. Did the weight loss in first scare you? And how Man, like, dude, 484 pounds is a lot of weight, bro. Like, that's a lot. It, it, it's like... At a certain point, it's just like, you know, it's still going to take so long. I can't even think about this. And having my dietician really help, you know, like just really getting into, like the first year, I told her, she don't, don't tell me the numbers. And I didn't know the numbers. I surrendered that. And it's, it's happened so gradually. Like before, you know, when I lost weight here, I would work out so hard and lose it so quick. And what people didn't know in program was I was exercising two to three hours a day. I was restricting my food to the point where it was just like I'm eating 1,500 calories, but I'm doing a three-hour workout. That's how I lost the weight so quick. It was nothing healthy about that. It was was controlling and restricting. So it didn't happen this time around. It didn't happen in a fast way. It's been in a gradual way. So it's like, you know, now I'm at like a – I started at a 7X. Now I'm at a 2X shirt. Which is, you know, it's pretty tight. But, you know, it, it doesn't, like, it doesn't register until I go and buy a shirt. Like, oh, shit. The, like, and it still feels like, sometimes it still feels like I'm 484 pounds still. Like, so, like, it's a weird mind fuck, right? It's like a weird thing. So I don't, it's not like, oh, like, oh, my God. No, it's, it doesn't feel like that. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. We're good? We're good? Okay. Man, my mouth is dry. Thank you, Lord. Uh, how do you get past the fear to pursue your passions? I don't know what my passions are. Like, I really don't. Like, the whole gun thing. I was talking to, a, talking to a, you know, one of my boys, and I was like, yeah, I'd like to try that. I had done guns in the de- back in the day, but it wasn't like a... Now, all of a sudden, I'm buying rifles and, you know... Assault rifles and oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. I don't want to scare people, but like you know, like now I'm this, you know, like oh, now I'm you know taking classes in it, and it wasn't a passion of mine. Like I kind of just like oh, this will be fun, 
with the with the whole driving thing. I bought a muscle car because I just wanted power. And I was like, oh shit, muscle car! Like, damn, this is how I was supposed to be driving. Then they had me go to. I had a, I had a coupon for a school. Went to do a racing clinic there, and it was like, damn, I like this. And then like now I'm trying to do more of it. Like so, like I really don't know what my passions are. Like I'm really. I know this sounds so Brene Brown like, but I'm discovering who I am. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the women I'm attracted to is like it's different now. Like now that I'm like changing how I'm thinking, like, oh, you know what? Oh, this this crazy and decadent you know, or decadent type of women is not like oh oh crazy is not good. <laughs> Like now, now I'm looking for something stable. Like, oh, oh, oh you got a good mind on your head. You know? All right. Anybody else? Are we okay. Uh, can you talk about what your uh, what the fourth step was like for you? Oh my God. Look, the fourth step, like, I like the big book way because it's like straight and put to the point. And that's what, like, I had been educated in that way, like, for a long time. That's what I wanted to do. Like, I wanted to get in there, get it done, do it exactly like the, the way the big book talks about, you know, and then I wanted to be able to talk to you about it. And so, you know, I could win accolades like, yes, I did it exactly the way the big book did it. My, my sponsor had a different equation. He gave me this thing that was like 100 and... 160, 180 questions. Like, I was like, what is, where is this described in a book? Like, talking about 180 questions. Like, I don't, I don't, this is not, you know, but I did it. Because I had what he wanted, and it was giving me relief, right? And then there was a portion where it talked about resentments in that 180 80 questions. And I did, I did the resentments in the traditional column way, right? And it's, it, it provided great relief. But the bulk of it was these 180 questions. And then every week, like, that's the reason why I haven't been here for, like, year, a year or two, like, a year and a half. Because every weekend I'm going up to see him and we're discussing these questions. Every question. Every question. <laughs> he wants to talk about it. And, like, but the, this experience has been, it, like, giving me the greatest relief. Because I never have been in a point in my life where every part of my narrative has been broken down. Every part of my narrative. Everything. Like there's like I can like it's an incredible feeling to know that everything, all my ways of behaving, all my ways of controlling, manipulating, all my fears, all my self, like selfish desires, all that is on the paper, all of it. And it happens in like the way it happens over such a long period of time. I didn't have this amazing experience where it's like, oh, no, it was like little by little, the tweaks were happening. And my change, my change in thinking was happening over such a long time. Where it's like, damn, things are changing, right? And uh, I just finished my fifth step, um, like like three weeks ago. All those questions, man, we went through it. The, all, the resentment inventory, we went through it. Does that answer your question? Yeah. So I mean, honestly, like I'm a big proponent of doing it, you know, as precisely and closely to the book as we can, but. You know, that's just kind of my thinking because that's not my experience. I did this question there, and it, this question there provided so much relief. So I don't know. I don't know what the right way is. You know, are we done? <sighs> are we done? Damn it! <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Could you just talk for a minute about your meditation practice and how that is for you? All these years later, I still love the way you say it, babe. <laughs> 
I know you've heard that like a million times. I still love it though. Um, yeah, my meditation practice. So now I do this thing like this morning. I go inhale one one thousand two one thousand. Exhale one one thousand two one thousand. Inhale one one thousand two one thousand. Exhale one one thousand two one thousand three one thousand. Inhale one one thousand two one thousand. Exhale one one thousand two one thousand three one thousand. And I do that all the way up to five five, right? And then I go the other way five one thousand, four one thousand, three one thousand, two one. And I just keep doing that, and I keep doing that. And I don't time now. Like I just do it as long as I think I need it. And I find myself doing it. Multi- it's funny because I was so resistant to this idea. Like, man, that's bullshit. Like, one of my sponsors suggested it. Like, that's my first reaction to most things. Like, fuck that. That's bullshit. You know? Like, I don't want to do that. But what I love about me is, though, even though I go, man, you know, I still do it. And it's provided so much relief. It, like, man, just. <sighs> like, do I, like, I'm doing it multiple times throughout the day. Like, just to get centered. Just to get back to whatever it is, like, because I just don't want to be like that, like that. It's not exciting because I'm prone to excitement and it's not the, the low. It's just, and then when a bump comes, it's like, boom, boom, and I come back, boom, 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 boom. That's kind of what the meditation does for me. Yeah. Take it off. Take it off. Take it off. We're wrapping it.